To all my heavy hitters and lockdown defenders, welcome to the Lockdown Divas Podcast, episode 57. We are back in the building, man, each and every Tuesday, 10 a.m. on all platforms you get your podcasts from. YouTube, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Anchor, iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, you name it, we doing it. We are back in the building, man. A uh, quick uh, reference to a segment we did special for you guys on Sunday, man. Uh, we did an NFL kickoff show in Lewis Sports Talk. We had a Kansas Sports Talk this week. Uh, had some schedule conflicts with my co-host and, and guests were out of town, so we had to cancel that for this week. You know, I know you guys look forward to that, but, you know, we'll be back next week. But um, in lieu of that, we did an NFL kickoff show. Um, it's like a basically a start-off show to get you going for the week uh, of games. Uh, Sunday morning, it was it, it viewed and, and broadcasted live at 11 a.m., just kind of like a normal kickoff show would be for the NFL. So uh, let me know how you feel about that particular segment. Um, if you want to see that in the future, we can uh, possibly work that into the rotation. Um, I, I got a pretty good viewership on it. So if you guys want to see that and continue that, let me know in the comments. So uh, we'll keep that going for you possibly. Um you know, so we can kind of do on, on an uh, interim basis, see how you guys feel about it. But, yeah, uh, man, let's talk about this podcast. This is a jam-packed show. Got a lot of things to talk about, a lot of things to go over, man. This is a jam-packed week. Um, and I think it's in lieu of what's getting ready to happen here. <laughs> uh, the NBA season is starting to ramp up, so we got a lot of news for the NBA to talk about this week. Uh, I, I feel like I got just as much NBA news as I got NFL news this week. It's, it's crazy. You know, NFL, we're in week three of that, uh, so we're going to get into that. But first of all, we're going to start uh, talking about the NBA. We got some news. We got some signing news to talk about. We got some turmoil to talk about with the 76ers. We got some protocol statements to talk about. And uh, we even got some USA basketball news. So we're going to get into all of that. Then we'll switch over to the NFL. And we'll talk about some headlines for NFL. It's three big storylines I want to cover in detail and talk about um, some teams that are in trouble. But sure, we're going to talk about that. Um, We'll talk about some trades that happened. Um, injury news and we'll get into our week three uh recap and if you listen to nfl kickoff this week you notice that we gave us uh, some headlines and some predictions for the game and we're going to see how that shook out and how that fared in, in in our uh predictions and we'll give our results for that and then we'll uh do our high games results we'll, so we'll see how we fared in our uh, fury six pack of games i tell you it wasn't pretty I'm, i did well in fantasy this week but it wasn't pretty in my six pack i'm not doing well for the first three weeks but uh you know i've been down before that too so we're gonna get back we're going to get back, and then we'll close out the NFL segment with a panic button section, and we'll talk about teams that are uh, one win or no wins in through three, and uh, whether or not they should the panic button or not. So we'll get into that. And then we'll get into our four-quarter closeout. We'll give out our awards for uh, Breakout Player of the Week, Lockdown Defender of the Week, and Big Dummy of the Week. So uh, as always, you know, we, if you've been an avid podcast listener, you know how we started off. We're going to get into who's in the news, man. Let's do it. So let's talk who's in the news. Let's start with the NBA. And I tell you, we got a lot of news in the NBA this week. I didn't think there was going to be these many headlines, but it just kept piling up over the week. And I mean, I've definitely uh, smelled the season starting. It's definitely in the air. Uh, so let's start with a bit of uh, good news. Um, uh, I guess uh, something that's kind of near and dear to my heart because I, I really like what this team is doing. As a, as a sports uh, uh, cover, I want to say I'm not an analyst, I'm not a journalist, but a podcaster, somebody that covers sports. I'd I feel a good story for me for the Nuggets. I really like what the Nuggets are building, you know, just as a fan of the game. You know, it has nothing to do with me being an avid Lakers fan or whatever, anything like that. What the Nuggets are building, I like. The Nuggets decided to sign Michael Porter Jr. to a Supermax deal of uh, five years, $27 million this uh, past week. And uh, that locks him up, uh, along with Jamal Murray and Jokic, to three Supermax deals on one team. Um, it's quite a, I think they're one of two or three teams that are doing that. And the Lakers are doing it. I believe the the uh, Warriors are doing it. So, yeah. 
though. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they they locked him up and they feel confident in his abilities and his uh ability to uh improve and get better and gel with this uh unit. And um for for me, it looks as if they have a, a set roster. And when they resigned, they signed Aaron Gordon uh a week or so ago. So they locked him up long term. So they have a uh, solid nucleus. I really like this young core, and I really like what they're building. I think that. Uh, Jamal Murray, uh, Porter Jr., Aaron Gordon, Jokic, and uh, a few other role players that's going to come uh, along with the, the fray um, is a solid team. And I think that they could really be uh, a force in the next, you know, four to five years um, meshing together. I think they're meshing well now, and I think they'll, they'll only get better. And uh, I think the Denver Nuggets see exactly what they have in these young guys, and they really want to build around them and they want to be able to have that nucleus that they could maybe possibly you know have a similar uh, i guess you can say run like the bucks had where they could you know they could build that you have their three guys and you know and well, i guess you can say three and a half you know aaron gordon being a uh, he's not a supermax guy but he's a, a guy that's going to be an intricate role in this particular scene so they have though that particular nucleus and i really like what they're building here i really do I think this the team uh, healthy will be a force in the West. I think that uh, if you, on paper, I really think they could run um, the ground with the Lakers, Suns, Clippers, uh, Jazz. You know, I think they can run with all those teams, and it should be in the upper echelon of the West. So, I'm really looking forward to seeing what this team can do. I really do, and the fact that they're young, um, like I said, they will grow together, and they, we know the the ups and downs that they will have together will be a good look. I really do think that's good for the league. I really do. I really think that this can be something special. You know, I mean, you know, if I had to choose, I definitely would choose my Lakers over the, the them. But, you know, just for a basketball perspective, if I'm not watching Lakers, I would definitely love to tune in and watch them on a regular basis. I think this team could be something good. So, uh, you know, I think the sky's the limit. So we'll see how that shakes out. But um, they, they had locked them up. So that team, the, their core is set. So what would they put around them in the in middle of what exceptions and, and role players will be uh, paramount in how far the team goes. But I think that their, this, the core they have is solid. One of the better cores, young cores in the league. And uh, I, I give the Nuggets front office kudos for uh, doing right by these guys and locking them up before they uh, leave or, or or you know run the risk of losing uh, the talent they have in house. So shout out to the Denver Nuggets for being a good front office and, and understanding what they needed to do to make themselves relevant. Now speaking of teams that are are in the news but aren't trying to make themselves relevant, it's the Seventy Sixers. So we're back up on this Ben Simmons conversation again. And I tell you, it's, it's becoming a broken record because nothing's changing in this situation. And it seems like it's, at least I want to say nothing's changing for the better. And it's it's seeming to be coming to a ugly impasse. And and we're getting inching closer and closer to uh, time to report for camp. And this particular situation is at a point where I really don't know, and I'm sure that pretty much nobody knows, including the 76 or Ben Simmons, where this is going to land, where this is going to land. Now, I did hear Mark Jackson in the sneak preview of uh, his interview with, uh, with Shannon Sharp on his podcast say that um, he feels like, you know, teams should really, he was advocating for Ben and said he's a leader at pretty much everything but shooting, which I kind of, you know, turned my, you know, eyebrow up at it, you know, like, eh, if you're not, if you can't put the ball in the basket, I mean, not many teams will jump at the chance to get you. You know, honestly, but he said that, you know, being a leader to everything else, you know, he could be an asset to other teams, which may be true. But my problem is this. I don't like Ben's attitude. 
And if I'm a GM, I, I think that your attitude and your antics, you know, towards the current front office that you are employed by speaks volumes to how you're going to be in the future. I mean, you know, that's the th with anything, job force or anything like that. Like if, if you're working for Microsoft and you at odds with the, with the brass at Microsoft and you ha are at a contentious moment with them. So when Google comes calling, they see you high, how you acted towards the Microsoft front office. Why would you think that it would be any different against the Google front office? I mean, unless there's just a bad, you know, it could be one of those things, just a bad situation that we just don't, we just have an irreparable circumstances. It was there. What did they say in court when you tr get married, irreconcilable differences, you know, you just didn't work. It may be one of those things, but you just really don't know. And you're kind of cautious about giving up the farm, you know, which is something we were asking for at one point to get a guy who can't, you know, score the basketball on the, on the consistent basis and has outside of the court issues with players in front office, hypothetically, you know, cause they said, yeah, he had issues with NBA. Yeah, no, he doesn't. We don't know. And we honestly truly don't know unless they flat out come out and say, yeah, I got a problem with him or yeah, or no, I don't. Now, you can say, well, and B came out and said, you know, he had the problems. He loves playing with Ben, but I really feel like that was political. And I, and I'm say that to say this, because what happened in this past week is that the 76ers were trying to take a trip out to California where Ben is currently at and to uh, try to repair his relationship. Now, you had two things, two things that line up with this situation before they do this. You had, you had MB saying that he had, he liked Ben. Okay. And you got Doc Rivers said that he feel like the situation is not, you know, beyond repair. He doesn't, he doesn't feel like it's beyond repair. Okay. Then, then the third, the third straw in this hat is the fact that they say they want to take a trip out to visit Ben personally and talk one-on-one -on -one, man to man face to face. Okay. So, so, but now let's be, let's be clear here. When Ben got word of this, he sent word back to them to tell them, don't bother. Don't bring, don't come out here. I don't want to meet. So that got deaded. But for me, this whole situation with the 76ers is that they are realizing that they're losing. Now it took them way too long to realize this. They feel like they understand that they're losing because Ben is at a, at a, is at a contentious moment with his organization and he wants out, but you have nobody that's willing to trade for him to give you anywhere close to equal value. You know, they want to give you, you know, half a pennies on a dollar at this point. I'm I'm not even going pennies on a dollar. I'm going half a pennies on a dollar at this point. You know, they might want to give you pesos for for dollar. You know, they would give you, you did dollar pesos for dollars. You know, that's something like that. You know, <laughs> you know, whatever currency is very low in uh, from, you know, from a dollar perspective, they want to give you that. They don't want to give you equal value at all. So again, I always go back to my stock reference. The stock is super low. So they look at it, this situation where we, we got to do damage control at this point because nobody, everybody sees him being uh, standoffish. Everybody sees him, you know, having a contentious moment with us. Everybody sees that he has had, you know, may or may not have odds with his teammates. And of course, and in, in, in the background of this, you got to look at it from a teammate perspective. They're probably like, well, this dude don't want to play with us. Why do we want to play with him? So that, that, that could sour the locker room. They're like, okay, now we got to do damage control. So now the best uh, best bet for us to do is to try to make peace with him, try to rail him back in and want him to come and play with us. You know, so we'll get MB to speak out. We'll get Doc to speak out. Then we'll go meet with him. But that got that got shut down at the door. So that that whole peacemaking initiative got shut down. So where do you go from here? 
I, I just don't know. I mean, at this point, you know, the seventy six really truly may have cut their losses, just cut bait and just not release them, but just sell them for whatever they can get and let them go off. Let them go on. Now, whether you know, whether you be spiteful and trading to a team that is that isn't going anywhere or not, that's their business. You know, because that team that team ultimately trade them somewhere else before the season starts anyway. I mean, let's say they trade them to, you know, distance. You know, he don't want to play in Detroit. He tells him he don't want to play in Detroit. They piss him, turn around again, and trade him to somewhere else where he may want to go. So it might, you know, might be a, a couple of bounces before he gets where he wants to go. But the 76 at this point, because it's so bad uh, of a, a situation, you just need to cut bait. You really do. I mean, I, you're just not going to get. Yes, I know he's a 30 plus million dollar player. I do get that. He's a super max guy. But at this point, because you waited so long, and this is honest and truly, you know, I don't know what you were thinking in this regard, but. You know, at this point, because it was so, it got so bad and, and it literally devalued him so much that you're not going to get anything for him. You know, the Warriors were in play at one point. You know, I guess they kind of in play. I guess they kind of not. The owner, the owner, one of the owners came out and, you know, I won't say bad-mouthed him, but, you know, he came out and had some choice words so that they could be out. I don't know. You know, Portland's claim they're not in the sweepstakes either. So, yeah. Where do you go from here? Because those were the two main landing spots that were that made the most sense. But this particular situation is ugly. It really is ugly. And it, again, seven six at this point, because you waited so long, you can't repair it. He doesn't want to repair it with you. He doesn't want to give you the opportunity. Because this is my thought process of what their seven six were trying to do. They were trying to bring him back in, let him play, let him let it do as much as they can to feature him, and try to make him happy. One, you know, and it was all the smoke and mirrors. They were trying to make him happy so he wouldn't seem malcontent and they could up his trade stock again. So they wanted him to come in, you know, try to get his offensive game together, see if he can't put the ball in the basket at a decent clip to kind of show teams that he was, he wasn't damaged goods like they thought. So then they can go back to the drawing board and say, hey, all right, y'all see him now. He's back. He's focused. He's, he's, you know, he had, we sent him to a counselor. You know, tell all the lies you want to tell about exactly why, he, you know, he felt like he was having these uh, rants and raves about why he was, you know, having an ugly moment with the organization. But they were trying to bring him in, do all of that, clean him up, clean up his image. You know, it was, like, it was real, real, real political here, you know, it's just, you, you got a bad rep, you had a bad, you know, bad image moment, and they want to clean you up and try to make you, you know, nice again. They want to clean you up and dust you off and they want to make you look whole again, look like a, a player that's worth trading for. Then by the trade deadline, you know, they would have had to ship them off and got something they could sleep well with from another team. But, you know, whether Ben knows that or not, or he just, just being stubborn, he shut that down. And if he, unless he returns by some divine intervention at this point this at this point the 76 is just gonna have to bite the bullet and take whatever they can get um and just call it a day now i will say this now they may they may get lucky because this leads me into my next topic they may get lucky because what i'm starting to understand now is that the that the nba has its own policies when it comes to COVID and their protocols right because we got this whole vaccinated versus unvaccinated uh, issue with players, right? You know, NFL got their thing, but the NBA got a whole other thing. But the issue here is that um, not only do do they have their mandates when it comes to who needs to be vaccinated and things of that nature. Now they haven't quote 
came out and flat out said that players need to be vaccinated. But the caveat to this is certain cities are banning people that aren't vaccinated from entering their building. New York being one, uh, California. Well, I won't say the whole state of California, but the Warriors are building. They can't come in. So, so right then and there, that affects two major players here. Um, so Andrew Wiggins has come out and flat out said he's not vaccinated and he's not allowed to play any home games. <laughs> so now, it, it's one thing. It's one thing to be able to not go into one building. So let's say it's, say you're a Western Conference team and you only play an a Eastern Conference team once or twice a year, right? So I got to go to Orlando and Orlando's banning uh, unvaccinated people. So, okay, you missed two games out of 82. Who cares? But this is your home stadium that's saying this. So you could up, you could miss upwards of forty some odd games because you had half your games at home, half your games away. So you mean to tell me that you're going to be value? You you have enough value to the organization for them to keep you when hypothetically you're not allowed to play forty games out of eighty. You know, 82, 41 out of eighty two. You're not available. Ugh, that's rough. That's rough. So unless he, Andrew Wiggins changed his mind. That that puts the Warriors in a, in a in a in a in a quandary because he's a he's not Steph Curry he's not Clay Thompson you know, he's old, he's a decent player but he's a role player so you mean to tell me a role player the Warriors are gonna be comfortable with a role player not being able to play at home I, I, that that don't sound that don't sound like good business to me it doesn't sound like good business to me now what the Warriors think we ha- we don't know yet but. Again, I'll bring it back to the Ben Simmons situation. Now, you get Andrew Wiggins, who the Simmons don't have this mandate, as far as I know. So let's say hypothetically that the, the Warriors in a you know in a tough spot because Andrew Wiggins is can't play in in Golden State, right? And Ben Simmons don't want to play in Philly, so you could almost marry those two up and be like, okay, well, we'll trade Andrew Wiggins. He can go play in Philly where he can play all his games. And he's a decent player. He's way better offensive player than Ben Simmons is. He's not a defensive player he is, but they get better offense out of him. And Ben Simmons can come stay in California where he where he likes to be anyway and play with the Warriors. Now, the problem is, and I said this before in podcasts, if you've been listening, that to me, him and Draymond Green don't mix. The type of person Draymond Green is, and if, you know, if Ben Simmons coming in with this diva attitude or he doesn't improve and work on his game and, and be an asset to the team and buy into the system, Draymond's going to have a big issue with it. You know, and some people even compared the fact that Draymond and Ben are the same player. You know, but I, I give Draymond way more credit for, for his offensive game, at least not, he's not shy about shooting when Ben is. So you still got to deal with that drama. You know, and I would literally, if you're smart about it, it, Warriors organization, I would literally talk to Draymond before pulling the trigger, if you haven't already. Like if you say, okay, we'll bring, we'll get rid of Wiggins and, you know, maybe some, maybe another one of the young players and, and, and bring Ben in, but is Draymond cool with it? Is Clay cool with it? Is Steph cool with it? If they are, then fine. If they are not, don't, don't do the, don't do it. Send Andrew Wiggins somewhere else. But I feel like unless he gets vaccinated, he's not going to, I don't see him making it as a warrior. If this is, if this is whole is true, unless they make some type of adjustments to the policy, which I doubt they are. I think they're real steadfast in this in this claim that you know it, it, it's it's rough. I mean, what you you put in put me in a tough spot. I mean, you're not available for half the game. It's, it's not an injury. It's not. It's just a choice. 
There's a choice of being vaccinated or not. And you choose that to be vaccinated. And that, that only put, not only puts your team in danger, you, you know, that'll put you in these higher risk, higher scrutinized protocols for the league. And or you can't play at home. I, that sounds a recipe for me. Does I don't want to deal with you. I'm just saying. So we'll see how that shakes out. But that's a, that's a big issue. Now, I even give you in a bigger issue. So the state of New York, Brooklyn Nets, Kyrie Irving got on the media call, Zoom call, uh, I want to say this past Sunday or Monday, and they asked him about his vaccination status. And they said, you know, how do you feel about the, the state of New York banning non-vaccinated people in their buildings? And they asked him about his vaccination status. And he in response said that he would appreciate that if that particular part of his life remained private. So <laughs> that to me tells me one thing, because it, it, it's when you ask people, I mean, if you're comfortable enough, if you're, you know, if you're comfortable enough with a person asking them their vaccination status, they either tell you one or two things, you know, they either dance around it, which to me, tell me they're not vaccinated or they'll flat out tell you they're vaccinated. Like me, I'm vaccinated. I'll tell you straight up. I have no quorum about telling you. Now, you know, but if you're not vaccinated and people that are vaccinated are kind of skittish about people contracting COVID, you might be like, well, do I want to tell them? Because they do think like funny. So that's what people do. So that tells me that although you didn't flat out say you're not vaccinated, to me, that tells me you're not vaccinated and I need to stay away from you. So Kyrie has got a problem and he's more of an integral part to this Nets team than Andrew Wiggins is. So if this particular situation stands, and I did hear a rumor that, you know, I'm not sure what the timeline is on this, but they were talking at one point about trading for Ben Simmons in Brooklyn, the Brooklyn front office was. But I think uh, KD came in and like shut that down. But they may have to revisit it if Kyrie's not going to be vaccinated. Because again, he's going to miss 40 games. Now, again, that, again, another recipe for disaster. Because like I said, Andrew Wiggins, I just underscore what Andrew Wiggins' issue was. So Kyrie's situation is even worse because... He already takes, he already is injury prone. He's already takes time off for his mental health. He always takes times off for his social issues that he wants to address. So you got three things that you already will miss games for. And then on top of that, you're going to throw on, you only get three strikes, but you're going to give me a fourth strike and tell me that you're going to potentially miss 41 games out of, out of the 82 that we're going to play because you can't play at home. You know, and it's probably more than that because, again, if you play in Golden State or other some other situations and arenas that are doing the same thing from a policy perspective, you can't play there either. So you're going to miss 40 games minimum. Minimum. That's without injury. That's without your mental health days off. That's without rest. None of that. You're going to miss. Well, at this point, if you're not going to play 40 games. You shouldn't need no rest days off. Every game that you are available to play, you should play because you should be rested. But, yeah, you got all these underlying issues. And let's be real. If Kyrie can't come to come to terms with his vaccination status and 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 get vaccinated, he damages he damages the the Nets' chances to compete for a title. But they are a championship contending team. Let's be real about it. And they they're coming together for another full year to play with each other. You know, no 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 funny stuff intended, but to play basketball with each other. They they they're literally coming together for a full year to you know, get their chemistry together and be able to compete at a high level and compete with the Bucks and, and the 76ers and the Hawks and teams of that nature that are at a little game at that championship window like we had a shot here. So if you as a team 
don't have your one of your best players available for most of the season. And it's not because of injury, anything like that, just because of the simple choice that you make yet again. And your choice that you're making is literally putting your team in danger on top of all this. If the Nets got a decision to make too. Let's be honest. Let's be honest. Because if you looking at it like, you know, if you had to shake the roster up to bring in something that might be a better shot at you competing for a title and this guy's not available for most of it, it might make the decision easier for you. It really might. It really might. So the Ben Simmons thing could be on the table for the Nets as well. You know, he is technically a point guard, you know, although James Harden's more of the point guard and he'd be more of a defender. And would and Ben Simmons would add an element to the Nets that they really didn't have in having an elite defender on their team. So, you know, I'm not saying it will happen, but it's a, it's a possibility. So, <laughs> look at it holistically. You know, they. I'm I'm thinking that the 76ers could get lucky if if the Warriors and the Nets are forced their at their hands are forced to move on from these players because they would just not move off the whole vaccination business. Now, if if the if the if the fish hit the sand, <laughs> don't clean that up a little bit, and you were literally on the table in front of the brass in your front office, Warriors or the Nets, and they said to you, Andrew, that either get vaccinated or get released. I think Andrew Wiggins would be more, more willing to get vaccinated than Kyrie would because Kyrie is going to look at it like, I'm one of the best point guards in the league. I mean, you release me, I will find a job ASAP. It's not even a big deal. So, you know, and I think Kyrie's more steadfast in his, in his convictions, whether they're right or wrong, than Andrew Wiggins probably would be. But yet again, you still got to have a conversation. So what, what's going to happen? What's going to happen with this situation? Now, to add even a, a bigger uh, piece to this puzzle, it's even some more flavor to this, uh, you know, concoction that is the vaccination protocols for the league. The Hall of Famer, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, had some strong words and strong opinions on exactly what, how he feels about the policy and what the NBA should do. Check this out. If NBA players are not vaccinated, they shouldn't be on the team. That's what Hall of Famer Kareem Abdul-Jabbar told Rolling Stone. The NBA should insist that all players and staff are vaccinated or remove them from the team. There's no room for players who are willing to risk their health and their lives of their teammates, the staff and the fans, simply because they're unable to grasp the seriousness of the situation or do the necessary research. Abdul-Jabbar elaborated on the point that during an interview with Don Lemon, saying that I don't think they are behaving like good teammates or good citizens. This is a war that we're involved in, and masks and vaccines are the weapons we use to fight this war. So, as you know, that if you know any history about Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, he's not an advocate for anything that's status quo. I mean, he's been through it much like the Muhammad Ali's and, and everybody, MLK, Mark, Malcolm X, you know, and a lot of trailblazing African-American uh, activists have been through you know, even Colin Kaepernick more recently has been through with, you know, standard government practices. So if a person is, you know, is deemed by the media in certain regards as radical when it comes down to criminal to Jabbar is, is comfortable in saying that we all need to be worried about health and health of others more so than radicalist opinions about what the vaccine is or isn't. 
and standing and picking and choosing when you stand on a moral ground or stand on a, a man or stand on a principle when you do things that are just like that in the background is is is, is, is crazy. It's crazy. You know, he feels like the importance of being about the country and being about your team and being about fans and things of that nature, protecting them on top of yourself is more paramount than, you know, your idealistic views of of saying that you don't want to be told what to do. I mean, that's just the bottom line. I'm not going to sugarcoat it, you know, because people give all kinds of reasons why none makes sense. You have all kinds of reasons why you shouldn't be vaccinated. They want or they don't want to get vaccinated. You know, and it doesn't it doesn't it doesn't hold any weight from a medical perspective. It doesn't hold any weight from a health and, and, and empathy perspective. It doesn't hold weight in, in any that regard. And you're a teammate of others. You're a, a, a pillar in the community to others. Fans idolize and, and want to emulate you in a lot of regards. And you still don't see the seriousness of this particular pandemic. So I'm with Cap. I really am. I mean, I just not because he's a, he's a he's a Hall of Fame Laker. Not just because of that. It's because he makes a lot of sense. And again, for somebody that's been controversial in a lot of things over his career, you know, right, wrong, or indifferent, however you want to, you know, have your opinion weighs on it. You know, I have my own opinion, but I'm not gonna voice it right now. It's you know, long be, be long podcast if I did. But if Cap can say unequivocally that he thinks it's smart for players and staff to all get be vaccinated. Then I mean, what more do you need? What more do you need? So I mean, to Kyrie and Andrew and a bunch of other people that are standing on this, you know, belief that vaccination is not the way to go. I don't know. I don't know what to tell you because I really feel like at this point, you know, if if teams are are, are forced to make a, a decision on you, you may not like what the outcome. You just may not. So. You know, if I, if you can't if you can't listen or heed Cap's words in this regard and get the vaccine when you know when you've been operated on and given medicines and pain meds and other vaccines all your life you've been you've been riddled with all kinds of drugs that the government has orchestrated and you had no problem with that and you're still kicking you're still living you're still uh, able to play basketball at a high level because of that and what's so wrong with the vaccine? I'm just saying. I'm just saying. So we'll see how that shakes out. But um, there's definitely a, 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 a topic that we're going to have to address in the next in the next few weeks to see how that turns out. Because if they don't change their stance, somebody will have to make a decision. And it may not be in the player's favor. So moving on to another contentious uh, situation um, in regards to Team USA. Now, a few weeks ago, I did a segment on my podcast about, and this was related to Cam Newton and his platform, about having the ability to tell your own story. Uh, I watched The Shop. And if you're not familiar with The Shop, that's the LeBron and Spring Hill Company's, uh, uh, I guess you can say, platform where they, can, they interview and they uh, bring in celebrities to talk about their story and give and get their message out that they wanted to convey and in, in their experiences and things of that nature that they have gone on in their life and, you know, kind of underscoring their career and things of that nature. I mean, they've had anybody, everybody on there from Tom Brady to Jay-Z, you know, every most recently had Jada Kiss on there and Wanda Sykes. Um, and they had Kevin Love on there. All right. Um, LeBron is a, you know, recurring guest. They had Barack Obama, you know, a bunch of people that they had on the show. Right. 
So Kevin Love was on the show and he uh, talked about uh, his um, contentious moment with Jerry Colangelo. So, and I, I didn't read this in, in the entirety when it happened, but I had to go back and look at into it after Kevin Love talked about it. So Jerry Colangelo came out um, during the time that the, the Team USA uh, committee was trying to uh, establish and vote on who they wanted to bring in to the uh, Team USA Olympic team for this past Olympics, right? So, uh, Jerry Colangelo had some choice words to say about Kevin Love because, you know, every, every, a lot of people were you know, saying that, you know, Kevin Love got selected for the team and then all of a sudden he wasn't on the team anymore and they were like, what happened? Some people say he probably shouldn't have been on the team. He hadn't played basketball in quite some time. We, didn't know, we just didn't know, you know. And looking back on it, Kevin Love had been in the Team USA system for quite some time and he was trying to get himself back um, from, you know, from injuries and things and that's just stuff, personal stuff he'd been dealing with, trying to get back on the court. And he felt like at one point, he felt like Team USA was the best place to do it. He kind of showcased what he had so team would look, can look at him and realize that he still had enough in the tank left to play in the NBA come this season, right? So Jerry Colangelo said, you know, and I'm paraphrasing, that basically saying that uh, Kevin Love's out of shape, he's washed, he's injury prone, he's this and he's that. I mean, all negative things that were uh, damaging to Kevin Love's uh, potential uh, of getting a new job, right? So, so Kevin Love goes on the shop and and basically, a Mav Carter asked him, you know, straight up and down, what happened with that. And Kevin said that you know I you know reached out to them and said you know if y'all need another body, I'm available you know to compete with the team and help the team out and get us you know hopefully get us over that because, you know, things were going, you know, a certain way and it was negative and people kind of questioning whether or not Team USA had the right people and this and the third and he felt like, you know, he can be an asset. So he told Jerry that, you know, he's available. So Jerry said, okay, we'll select you. And then uh, Kevin called Jerry back at one point and realized that he wasn't where he needed to be physically um, to compete. So he decided to back out. So I don't know why Jerry took it upon himself to uh, negatively slander Kevin Love in the process of that. He could have just said, you know, quietly that, you know, Kevin Love decided to opt out because I mean, we don't took that any number of ways. He said, I'm opt out because of COVID. I'm opting out because of this, that, and everybody would have better than I. But Jerry took it upon himself to bash this man. And Kevin was like, no, nah, no, nah. to the point where LeBron, Mav, and a few other people got Kevin on the phone and was like, bro, like what happened? Tell me what's going on. That's, that's foul. It's then a third. They were not happy with Jerry Colangelo. Right? So, to the point where LeBron flat out said, and I didn't get this when LeBron said it, but now it makes sense. LeBron said that he was done with Team USA. Like he was never going to play for Team USA again. Now granted, he's on the tail end of his career, so he probably won't be in the league maybe so. It depends. I mean, he, he's LeBron, so we just really don't know. But when, you know, three three more years rolling around again when they have to compete for the uh, Olympics again, LeBron said, I'm not playing for Team USA at all. And that was stemming from what Jerry said. It wasn't because he was just... I'm just done with it. I'm just not playing anymore. He just like, I'm just, it's because Jerry, what Jerry said about Kevin Love. <clears throat> so now it all makes sense. Now it all makes sense. So I bring that up because that, that ropes back into my conversation I had about, about talking about Cam Newton and his platform and how important it is, especially now more than ever, to be able to go on platforms like this, why the shop and, and, and your YouTube channels and things of that nature are, are truly important for you as an athlete. 
uh, as a person that has the brand, period, to be able to tell your own story. Because had Kevin Love not had the ability or the platform to go on a show and give his uh, honest and true account of what happened and to give the God's honest truth about what the issue was, then he literally would have never probably seen the light of day when it comes to another NBA contract because of what Jerry Colangelo said. Because people, most GMs would look at it like, oh, Jerry said it, then it must be the truth, must be gospel, and just and just wrote Kevin off. So anytime his agent would have called him for a workout or anything like that, they probably would have told him no. So luckily for Kevin, he was able to go on the platform like the shop and, and, and literally control his own narrative. Because had he not, he would have been done. And and just all because Jerry had a personal vendetta or, or, or something that he was trying to use as a mechanism to cover his own butt coming to regards to how Team USA was going to perform because let's be honest you know it was real close you know this is probably the closest to a gold medal team that that was in danger of not winning in quite some time you know the, going back to the 04 team you know I was so over no conversation but they, and they didn't win it but all, all other teams that won the gold medal they won it handily they won it going away and yeah I, yeah we said the international game is getting better but the team was awkward in his own right. So he basically wanted to use Kevin and a few others as a scapegoat to say that they're the reason why Team USA didn't work out. You know, they probably would throw LeBron and them on the bus too because they didn't compete and and give their effort for their country, air quote, you know, as a scapegoat to why the Team USA didn't win the gold. So, yet again, was going to really roll over Kevin Love with the bus big time. So, I'm thankful that, again, that Cam Newton was able to control his own narrative and Kevin Love. So I, I say that to say for any athlete that will ever listen to this particular segment in my podcast that control your own narrative. Because if you let other people dictate and control your own narrative and, and, and dictate how your brand is being viewed, you will never, ever get to where you want to get to because they will use that to their advantage and not yours. And that's just that's just the God's honest truth. Shout out to Charlamagne. So uh, that's going to wrap up our NBA segment. Let's take a pause with the cause and we'll get back to the NFL. Back with Who's the News, the NFL edition. I am your host, Coach Defense. So, man, uh, had a spirited conversation about the NBA, man. If you uh, skipped ahead, uh, <laughs> check that out as the beginning of the podcast. Uh, Timestamps for this video, if you're looking at this on YouTube, are always in the description. Quick point of reference. Uh, if you're looking for any section that you want to fast forward to or rewind back to, the timestamps for the start of the segments are in the description. So, check that out. Just click the link, it'll take you right there. All right, so let's talk NFL news, man. Um, it's a lot to talk about in this regard as well. Um, bunch of headlines, trade happened, some injuries, um, some things that we need to discuss about teams for the first three weeks of the year and that um are trending up or down. Definitely got to talk about that. Um, let's start with this. 
Uh, I was, again, if you're an avid podcast listener, you know, we've been a listener for quite some time. And uh, this is what goes days back to end of last season and uh, in the off season. And now start of this season that I've been saying on and off that that Big Ben should have retired last year. I, I've said it before. I'll say it again. It, 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 it's, it's been time. It, it is time. And, and it's really showing right now. And I really didn't understand what was his rhyme or reason? It's one of those things where there was no clear cut. It's not like this Aaron Rodgers situation where, you know, he could literally come back and compete for a title because I've been in the last three NFC title games. So it's a chance that I can go back and make it, finally get over the hump and make it to the Super Bowl. There's a chance. But the Steelers flamed out last year. You know, they started off undefeated and then they flamed out and they lost, what, five of the last six and then they got beat by the Browns handily in the playoffs. So. And then you're coming back to a worse O-line, uh, you know, until you draft the Najee Harris, you didn't have a running back. So, you know, before you made, when, when you made a decision to come back, there was literally nothing for you to come back to that was going to be better than it was last year. And then a lot of it could have been worse. I mean, you had to figure out whether or not to re-sign Juju or not. You know, that was an issue. You know, you said Deontay and Chase Claypool, but tight end was in flux. You didn't know what you were going to do there. Didn't know what you were going to do in a draft. I mean, there's a lot of unknowns there. But you, but he signed on to come back very quickly, you know. And he was due a lot of money. He was, I mean, it was a lot of, it was a, it was a, it was a punitive amount of money for him to come back and be a stealer for uh for twenty twenty one. So he did the organization a solid by restructuring his deal, you know. So freed up some money, but he still owed a lot of, of money, uh, for the production that they're getting. So the distillers have an issue. And you know it, it, it gets it gets I guess you can say it gets uh, ugly when you have a certain philosophy because the Steelers you know and I love this about them for the most part they're very loyal to their people you give you know in which you know a lot of organizations should uh, follow suit in certain regards to this because they're loyal to their coach they're loyal to their players you know if you give your blood and sweat and tears and your energy to and you win you win games here they keep you but. They literally just have kept Big Ben too long, and he's held on too long, and he's literally putting the Steelers at a disadvantage now uh, when it comes down to them competing. You know, and everybody's used to and accustomed to the Steelers competing, but it's not it's not working out well. It's not working out well now, and it's not it's going to get worse as the season goes on. Now, what bothers me too about this is that he looked he looked pretty decent in the start of last season. He kind of flamed out at the end, but. He's flaming out now in week three. So what does that mean um, going forward? I mean, and you're in a division where two teams are clearly good, and the Bengals, you just lost to the Bengals this week, and I called that one. I knew they were going to. The Bengals aren't a playoff team yet, but they are going to be a tough out. So you're staring down a barrel number four in the division. So you came back for one more ride with this team to finish fourth in the division? Come on, man. It was such a bad idea, it was such a bad move, and I, I guess the Steelers kind of stuck because of the deal they struck with Ben. So they, they, it basically the mercy of what he wanted to do. And had he retired now, and I mean I'm not a lawyer, and I don't know the logistics of retirement when it comes down to recouping salary. But um, I mean it could be some guaranteed money that he was still owed. But I would have dealt with that more so than having him play another year and try to find my next quarterback. You know, because now you're looking at like Dwayne Haskins, which is a wing and a prayer. <laughs> you know. You know, 
Uh, I'm not even going to, you know, I'm not even going to mention his name. I'm just not, I'm not even going to do it to myself because but I think Dwayne Haskins is probably the best option out of the quarterbacks they have. Let me say it that way. He's the best option. I'm just going to put it plain like that. I'm not going to, you know, because I got issues with that other guy because, you know, I'm not sure exactly what happened with that Miles Garrett situation. If you know what I mean, I, I'm just going to leave it at that. I'm going to leave it at that. But, <clears throat> but regardless, the Steelers are, are, are in a bad spot. You know, they play the Packers next. They got the Broncos who are hot. Seahawks play well. They got the Browns again. I mean, they don't get a, a game that they can potentially win until they get the Bears and, and the Lions, you know, midseason. Then they turn around, they play Chargers at home, the Bengals again, Ravens, Vikings, Titans, Chiefs, Browns, Ravens. They literally could go three in what? It was 17 games now, so they can go. <laughs> my God. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Wow. Three and 14. Wow. They literally could go three and 14, which makes them a top 10 pick. Now, and I find it funny too, because I love Mike Tomlin. Mike Tomlin is my guy. But Mike Tomlin told Chase Young, and when they played the football team last season, that I never want to be that so bad that I can pick a, pick a high enough in the draft to get a guy like you. But I think this is going to happen. I really think it's getting ready to happen. And it's all Big Ben's fault. It really is, because he should have retired. And he should have gone out and had a full opportunity with money in tow because of Ben's retirement to say that they can compete and try to find a quarterback. Now, and I hate to say this, but it's two things should, should, should happen here. It really, really should happen. I mean, you know, I, I would say that uh, you know, maybe, you know, you know, Ben can pull Avante Davis and retire midseason. And they convince Cam Newton to get a vaccine and, and be the quarterback for the rest of the season. That's the only shot you have to be competitive. Because if nothing else, Cam Newton is a playmaker. He's a playmaker. You know, they can't run the ball. But they but with a running quarterback, they still add as a dimension to your to your game that you don't have right now. It has never been extremely mobile, but he's really stuck in the mud now. And arm strength is diminishing, in my opinion. He looks old. He looks old. So I'm sorry, Steelers fans, but it's not going to end well unless you make some drastic changes, you know, and honestly, truly, like I said, I'm not sure what Cam's take on the vaccine, you know, is now versus what it was in New England, but he's on the market right now outside of trading for a, a, a quarterback that's you know backup right now, Garden Minshew, Nick Foles, somebody of that elk. Cam Newton's your best option. I'm just saying, because Let's be real. If you did finish three and was it what I say three and and fourteen, you did finish three and fourteen. You got a shot at Spencer Ratliff because the teams that are going to probably pick up there with you have their quarterback already. The Jags, the Lions, they have a quarterback. So your best bet to get Spencer Ratliff in the draft and pick number three hypothetically, right? Let's just do the math real quick. So the Lions and Jags have a worse record than you, and you pick third. Spencer Ratliff got questions about his game and his decision making, so he's not the best prospect that you have outside of what you had last year. Like you literally had a, a wealth of, of quarterbacks last draft, which you could have competed possibly for traded up for to get a, a quarterback of something like that, of that nature had been retired, but you didn't, but you don't have the experience in the, in the uh, production level from the quarterback class you do this year, you did last year. So again, you're stuck and let's be honest here. And let's just, let's just talk brass tacks. If you don't have the quarterback right in this league, the way the league is running right now, you have nothing. I don't care how good Najee Harris is. I don't care how good your line can ever be. If you don't have the quarterback right, you will not win, especially in the AFC North. It's not happening. So, 
then you're hurting the organization. You're hurting yourself. And this is not, I'm sure, because your contract's up at this year. I'm sure this is not what you had in mind, but what, would, what do you thought was going to happen? What, do you, what, do you, what were you thinking when you decided to come back or, or thought about coming back? What do you think was going to happen? You know, the line was diminishing before your very eyes, before you decided, yeah, you're now coming back. You know, uh, Villanueva contract was up. They didn't have the money to pay him because you were making 40 some odd million. You know, DeCastro had injury history, so they never released him. You know, Ramon Foster really he retired a year before that. Then Mike Pouncey retired on you. Mark C. Marquis Pouncey retired on you uh, right at the end of the season. So your center was gone. Your right guard was injured. You up your left tackle was on up on contract, and well, actually, your left guard, your left tackle, and your left guard because Fowler's in in Los Angeles now. So, what do you think was going to happen? You knew the whole line was going to be terrible. Only person you had essentially when you made the decision with the Castro, and the Castro ended up getting released. So, I don't know. It seems to me that Ben didn't don't have a contingency plan. You know, most. You know, I don't know. Maybe it's just a little too old school, you know, in, in that regard, because most people nowadays have things going for them outside of football. So when they stop playing football, they have something to do. And I really feel like Ben was only only reason why he came back because he didn't have anything else to do. You know, I, I can't ride my bike and 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 go do yoga every day of my life for for the future. You know, and if you don't have any aspiration of being a commentator, or have any type of, you know, coaching aspirations or anything like that, then he just don't know what to do with himself. So you literally sacrifice the organization's future in a season because you didn't know what to do with yourself. And that's sad. And that's sad. But I don't have no helps at all for the Steelers season. I think it's going down in the tubes and they're going to finish fourth in the division unless something drastically changes. You know, let's say hypothetically, you know, they get through this stretch and then they get whipped by the Packers, they get whipped by the Broncos, they get whipped by the Seahawks. And the Browns give him a, a once over. And Ben was like, you know what? I'm just going to hang it up. And then they call somebody like Cam or anybody like that or let Dwayne Haskins take the rings, which I'll take Cam over Dwayne Haskins. They decide that, you know, they can make some of the season. Potentially, you might have a shot. But then you bring it in Cam or somebody else that's learning the system on the fly, you know, midseason. So that may or may not end well. So sucks to be a Steelers fan at this point, man. I'm just sad to say. Sad to say. So another team that's in a similar similar issue with their quarterback that is not panning out. Now, again, if you have a podcast listening, you know I did a segment uh, in the offseason called Put Up a Shut Up. It was a, a group of quarterbacks that uh, were in uh, that year where they're kind of on the fringe of whether or not they're going to hit or miss. You know, they were either young quarterbacks or quarterbacks that got traded or uh, – whatever reason and they were in better situations so they had no excuses left you know daniel jones is in that category because of all the weapons they got him um stafford got traded from the lions uh finally got out of that situation and went to this uh rams that seemed to be working out so what i'm focusing on right now is carson wentz carson wentz went he left uh a trap house of all in an equivalent of a trap house of an organization where all the turmoil and issues were going on internally in the front office with uh, Roseman and Lurie and and, and and Doug Peterson and all that kind of stuff. It was literally uh, the chaos like it would be in a trap house to a deluxe mansion that is the Indianapolis Colts. You went over there with your, with your coach that you had when you went and ran a, made a Super Bowl run. 
Frank Wright over there. You got a young running back who's uh was in the top five in rushing. You got four receivers that are good, a couple of good tight ends, elite O line, solid defense, one of the top five solid defense from last year. You literally walked into a mansion. And all you had to do, all you have to literally do is not burn the house down. <laughs> and he keeps leaving the gas on. Now, he hadn't burned the house down yet, but he keeps leaving the house and keeps leaving the gas on to the point where the, the Colts are literally uh, have no wins right now. <laughs> like, like, for real. I'm laughing, but I'm sure it's not funny if you're a Colts fan. I'm, I'm sure it's not. I, I know it's not, but you're 0-3. Now, your matchups were tough. I, I, I will say that. You had to play Seattle. You had to play the Titans, you know, just to name two out of the three, right? You know, there were tough matchups. And the Rams another another team. But though you were in every game. But the decision making of Carson Wentz being highly reckless. Highly reckless in in um going through his progressions and perceiving pressure where there's not, you know, doing a lot of things decision wise that it really to me ultimately cost him the game in the first three is the problem. That is the problem. Now, they kind of have a make-right game with the Dolphins coming up here uh, this week. But yet again, if you look at how the Dolphins fought against the Raiders with Jacoby Brissett, that's not a win either. That's not a gimme. They, and they got to play in Miami. So, uh, yeah. I, I I tried. I tried. I tried to get Carson Wentz the benefit of the doubt. I tried to give him a chance. I really feel like, you know, with the right situation, he could be a really legit quarterback. And I, cause, and I'm, and it's, I was holding out hope because stemming back from when he got hurt, because it's one of those things you almost kind of sympathetic to Carson because he was having an MVP season, you know, and he, he had, unfortunately, he had an injury towards ACL, you know, and we feel like that, you know, with him at the helm, you know, even when, without having Nick Foles there, you know, they were literally a Super Bowl contender, right, in that year. So we feel like that he could have been the team, the quarterback that could have took him that far. You know, they ended up winning the Super Bowl anyway, but, he felt like he was going. He could have been a guy, so he felt bad for him. He felt like that if he can put, come back and play at that level, anything close to it, he could be a league quarterback in this league, top ten. But he came back and flamed out in Philly. Come now, he's you know literally crapping the bed in in Indy. So it just might be time to, to, to just to just to bail, man. Like literally, like just 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 get the floaties, <laughs> get the floaties. Blow up the life raft and just jump ship because I'm just not seeing it. I'm not seeing it, and and I've had I've had the privilege of watching him closely on Game Pass, you know, just to make sure I'm not crazy, and I'm not, you know, and he puts himself in such harm that he's gonna mess around and get hurt again, and who knows whether or not he's even gonna last the whole season. And let's be honest, with Jacob Eason there, there's a whole different ball game, a whole different team. You know, I'm not saying Jacob Peterson is a horrible player. He's an NFL player, but he's not a quarterback's going to take them far. So uh, it's not looking good now. I, it's really not looking good now. I have to shift my focus on the Titans because the Titans is, is really, to me, their division to lose at this point because the Colts are not, not what I thought. Even the defense is taking a step back, which is troublesome for me. You know, I have problems with defenses play bad when I think they're good. You know, Washington football team, they're playing like crap. I'll get into them later. But, you know, teams that are good, at least were good at one point, they're good on paper, didn't lose any, you know, you didn't lose any personnel, actually got a little bit better personnel-wise, and you had the same coordinator. Like, I had problems with that. Like, you know, and it, it could be for a simple fact that their offense is a little bit different because 
you know, they're not an overpowering defense, but they're good schematically. But yet again, that was also in uh in, in tandem with your offense being good. Because let's be real, Philip Rivers ran the offense well last year. So they had they ran the ball, they passed the ball well, they had they put up they put up points, so they put pressure on the other team. The defense had to play uh, you know, you know, thirty to forty minutes of defense a game. You know, so that could be it too. You know, I might I might be selling the stock on the defense too early because of the um bad positions that Carson's been putting them in. But for right now, they looking bad and the offense looking bad. They're just looking bad from top to bottom. So it just might be time to get the floaties out for the Colts, man. I'm just saying. And another team that I'm just I'm just flabbergasted about talking about in this light. But the but the Seattle Seahawks. What the hell? I really don't get it. I really don't get it. Again, another team I had high hopes for. And I'm again, I'm I'm not seeing it. I'm not seeing it. Now, they're not as bad as the Colts, but it's close. It's close. Like they gave away that game. <laughs> and whew, I, this is this is part of my frustration because part of this cost me a, a, a fantasy football game, but that's a, they, that's neither here nor there. I'm not gonna be selfish, but to, in, a, in the division where it's gonna be real tight, you start off wrong. So they won their first game against Indy, but you know we talk about them. So they clearly, they, you know, you had to be a better team than them. But they lost to the Titans. They gave away the game against the Titans, and then they just got dog walked by the Vikings with no Dalvin Cook. <laughs> what? Really, really, really. So I don't know. I don't know. It just seems to me that they are really, really Russell Wilson dependent right now. Um, and what's worked for them in the past is having a dominant run game and let Russ work off of that. You know, and and, and to be honest with you, and it's kind of head scratching because Carson, Chris Carson. Here, call him Carson Palmer, but Chris Carson hasn't had, hasn't had, you know, horrible games, you know, in these first three, you know, it's been, it's been decent, you know, it's not, it hasn't been, you know, it's not like he's not getting touches. It's not like he's not getting touches, but you know, I mean, he was a little bit different. I mean, cause he had 1280 in this past game. I think he had over a hundred yards week, week two. So he's getting, he's getting the ball. Like it's not that he's getting the ball. It's just a question of what is happening, especially defensively, what is happening to this team where they're losing games. Because, <clears throat> like I said, they, they aired it out and they, they aired out the Colts. And then they gave away the game against, against the Titans, but they should have won. They was up big in the first half. And then this this debacle with it in, 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 in Minnesota, when I knew they were just going to be running away with it with no Dalvin Cook in the lineup. But look, Kirk Cousins look like a pro bowler. He's throwing the ball out of the field. KJ Osborne making plays. Thielen, uh, of course, Justin Jefferson, all of them making big plays. And I'm like, what are we doing here? So, I don't know, but it's not looking good early. And and in the division is tough. I mean, both West divisions are tough. NFC and AFC West divisions are tough. And if you can't keep pace this early, you're gonna you're likely gonna be where I thought the cards might be at this point and be a good decent team, above five hundred team, but you don't make the playoffs because guess what? You already got three guys ahead of you with way better records. So and only seven make it. So automatically, because you don't you're not a division winner, you automatically fighting for three spots. And two of them gonna go to your division mates most likely. 
So it's going to be hard pressed to say I'm going to take two teams, but then he might because, you know, now I think about it, they still might got a shot. <laughs> now I think about it because the NFC East is so bad that they're not going to take anybody but a division winner, which could probably be the Cowboys. This is just my early predictions. The Packers are going to go in the in the North, and everybody else is bad. The Lions are bad. Well, the Vikings, eh, maybe. If the Vikings get played like they played this past week, then maybe. So the Vikings got a shot. But outside of that, the Lions and the Bears ain't not going nowhere. So and in the, and in the north in the south the Bucks are clearly going to go and then everybody the team outside of unless the Panthers keep playing well no team in that division is probably going to go so they might got a shot but I don't want to leave it up to that so what they need to do is ride the ship and they got and they hadn't played a division game yet that's the biggest thing which they got coming up this week they got to play the 49ers and at San Fran then they get the Rams right after that then they get a make right game with the Steelers and they got the Saints and the Jags so they got three games they can kind of get get right then they can play the Packers behind it so. You gotta win. I would say if you don't want to just completely fall out of it early, you gotta win one of the games between the Rams and the 49ers. If you don't get either one of those games, the Steelers and Saints and Jaguars game probably don't matter because all those the other teams are gonna probably be undefeated or one loss, you know, and you're gonna be three or four games back at the halfway mark. So Seattle gotta get it together, man. If you don't get it together, you're gonna be looking at the lottery. That's all I'm saying. So, in a bit of news, trade news. <clears throat> now, this is a head scratcher for me, but there was significant trade news that happened on uh, Monday. Uh, the Panthers, after losing J.C. Horn, uh, I'm not sure if this is for the season, but it's a significant foot injury. They uh, traded for, for former top 10 pick C.J. Henderson from the Jaguars for, I want to say, a third and a fifth. I think the the... Panthers gave up a third rounder and Dan Arnold and the uh, Jaguars gave up a fifth and CJ Henderson and trade. So the Panthers get CJ Henderson the fifth, Dan Arnold and the third go to Jacksonville. So I, that's a head scratcher for me because again, CJ Henderson was, was a top 10 pick corner. He's only in the second year. So yeah, I mean, to me, you haven't even given him uh, a, a, a unequivocal evaluation. Um, when it comes down to what he can or can't do. And, but he was subject to trade rumors in the preseason, and he finally traded them week three in the regular season. So, I mean, good for the Panthers, and I got Panthers defense in his fantasy, so that's good for me. But regardless, what are the Jaguars doing? I, 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 can't, I can't wrap my, rhyme, my, my mind around exactly what, what the end game is for them. You know, it's he got rid of Joe Schobert. I'm talking about Urban Meyer here. Got rid of Joe Schobert. He was a veteran, which to me could have helped that defense. And he got rid of him, sent him to Pittsburgh. He got rid of his one of his best young corners, CJ Henderson, traded him to the Panthers. So they get better. Got, now you got Dante and CJ and AJ Boye. Secondary still look good. So, what are the Jaguars doing here? Now, I understand it's, it's a rebuild, it's going to be a two year process, if anything. It would be two years before this team is truly, truly relevant. Trevor Lawrence is struggling, true as well, so that's another problem. But what is the Jaguars doing here? I don't get it. I really don't get it. So, uh, yeah, I don't get it. I mean, Dan Arnold was a decent tight end, but, I mean, you had, you had tight ends in, you had three or four tight ends in the building already, so what do you need Dan Arnold for? I don't know. I don't get it. But you already struck on defense, and you traded away one of your best, at least athletically, one of your best corners. I mean, because you had Shaq Griffin and him, so why would you want to trade 
him. I don't get it. But I mean, the Panthers are complaining. But what's the end game for the Jaguars? What are we doing here? I hope it makes sense by the next offseason because it really don't make sense right now. So let's talk about the AFC West real quick. Because in a surprising if, uh, bit of news, uh, the Chiefs are one and two, and the Broncos and the Raiders are un- are undefeated. Now, you will say that might be indicative of what this they played the first three games, but regardless of that, nobody had the Broncos and the Raiders playing this this good this early. And you know, the Chargers two and one, they just beat the Chiefs. You know, we'll talk about that more so in Chargers Corner on Friday. So check that out on YouTube if you if you haven't been listening to that so far. But regardless of that. So, so we have to ask the question at, at the after three games. So, you know, has the NFL finally figured out the Chiefs and base and, and started back in the Super Bowl? Because we saw what what Todd Bowles and that defense did to Patrick Mahomes in that offensive line, the uh, lackluster offensive line that was the Chiefs in the Super Bowl. We saw that. Um, we also saw the Browns, um, at least from an offensive perspective, kind of to kind of control the clock run the ball and and really exploit that defense where I've been telling people would have been bad for years, but nobody's been listening to me. I've been telling people that the, the Achilles heel of their, of their team is their defense. Um, and now, you know, the idea of putting pressure on Patrick Mahomes is becoming more prevalent as well. So they face some teams that have had a good pass rush. You know, Miles Garrett, Jadavion Clowney, amongst others, Joey Bosa, Dumosu, Fackrell, you know, two out of three games have gotten, especially have gotten after uh, Patrick Mahomes, and they've manufactured a little bit of pressure in the Baltimore game as well, although it's a shootout. So, question is, have the have the league figured out the Chiefs and how to limit that offense enough to where they can kind of quote unquote, you know, limit the magic and and try to you know figure out this potent offense to the point where uh, unless Andy Reid has some more tricks up his sleeves, it could be more tough sledding for the league. Maybe, maybe not. I'm still a, I'm still a critic. I, I still don't think I, I I'm never going to doubt Andy Reid's uh, intellectual prowess when it comes to play calling and Patrick Mahomes. I've seen it too many times for him, you know, to to, to make you know water and out of wine out of water, you know, to say that they're just gonna we're, we're gonna write them off. But it's a question we should ask. So we see what happens happened in the Super Bowl. We seen what happened in Week One. We seen what happened in Week Two, and we definitely saw what happened in Week Three, where you know they lost games. You know, and they, you know, uncharacteristically turning the ball over and their defense is getting exploited to the point where, you know, unless they try to something different um, or can do some things different to kind of turn the tide, if people use this blueprint or have the personnel to use that uh, blueprint to kind of stifle them in a lot of regards, then it could be tough sledding for the Chiefs. It just depends. It's something to monitor. It really is. So the next question I have is, are the Broncos and the Raiders for real? Now, I will say for the Broncos, they made it the right stuff. Now, they are starting to get hit with some injuries. So uh, Jerry Judy went out with a high school spray. I think he'll be back hopefully soon. Um, but uh, they lost KJ Hamler to ACL, so he's done for the year. So that's a problem offensively. But it did have weapons galore. I mean, they did have like literally four receivers. So although they lost one interimly, lost, lost one for the season, they're still okay. Still got Corden Sutton who's healthy. They still got St. Patrick. So if you got fantasy aspirations out there, pick up St. Patrick because he's – literally the number two receiver in this office now. So no fan tight end, you know, off the line still, still solid and the defense is balling. So, you know, the Broncos made it the right stuff and Teddy's managing the game to, you know, well enough. Whereas though he could, you know, 
literally look like a Pro Bowl quarterback right now. I mean, just to be honest with you. Now, the Raiders are a little, a little bit more of a complicated situation. And I say that because of this. Because it's because of John Gruden. I just don't trust John Gruden's longevity when it comes to the season. Like, he's, he, has, he, has, he has hot and cold streaks. You know, and, and, and here lately, his, a cold streak's been happening at the end of the season. So he'll start off hot in the last few years, and he'll, he'll fizzle out towards the end of the season. People start getting film on him. He don't adjust. They start taking things the way they've been working early in the season, and you start to struggle. Now, and and I will give him, but I will give them credit because I said after a deep dissection, I said this you know a couple of weeks in my podcast, uh, a week, couple of weeks back, that their defense is actually pretty good. You know, I think on paper it looked good, and they actually playing well. I, I really do, you know, and if, even if, like hypothetically, if you're a Madden player, their defense look looks looks great. You know, on paper they got. Two good ends. You got Max Crosby and Yannick Ngagwe on the end. You know, you got um, the D tackles kind of shaky with Jerry McCoy going out, especially, but it's still, you got a, you got a couple of decent players interior. Linebackers are fast. You know, Denzel Perryman's out there. We knock people's heads off like he normally does. Um, you know, they got they got KJ right now, so who's a, a savvy veteran. Uh, the safeties are, are to me, are young and, and hungry. Abram and, and Morag, they just drafted. Corners, I think Trevor Mullen is underrated, and I think Casey Hayward is a, is a is a wily veteran who was a really good zone cover corner. So defensively, they're not shabby, and you know we had questions about their offense, but look what Derek Carr is doing. So it literally just it, it really just banks on their health and whether or not they could Derek Carr can still play at a high level and and make magic happen that he's been making, and they don't fizzle out. If they don't fizzle out, then this the division is gonna be real tough. But I think I think the Broncos can sustain what they have because they're built with the right stuff. They're not they're not doing things above what they're built to do. The Raiders have got questions, and mainly because of Gruden. But but um, if they can sustain it, we could literally be looking at a three or four team race here down to the wire because the Chargers are clearly playing good as well. So we'll see. So a bit of injury news. We're gonna get into injury news real quick, and then we're gonna get into a recap for Week Three. A uh, couple of injury um, notes. Uh, like I talked about KJ Hamler, he went out with ACL. He's done for the year. Unfortunately, sorry to hear that for him. Um, but hope he comes back healthy soon. Quinn Nelson with that. He got rolled up on his ankle real bad. I'm not sure the timeline for him. Hopefully it's not season ending, but that would be a blow to an already struggling coach team. He's out uh with ankle. Um Blake Martinez towards ACL, linebacker for the Giants. He towards ACL. He's done for the year. So it's really bad for him. They were already struggling uh as it is, so they, they them losing him is not good. And in the Thursday night game, we saw uh, Christian McCaffrey and J.C. Horn both go out of injury. Um, not sure what the timetable is on J.C. Horn's foot, but CMC, they hadn't put him on IR. They did put J.C. Horn on IR. It could be short-term, it could be long-term, don't know. But um, they didn't put CMC on IR, so they, the hamstring is week to week. So we'll see how that's, that, that checks out. But those are the major names that are, that are on the injury report for this week. So hopefully for those that can return, they will return, and we wish everybody else a speedy recovery. Also, quick point of reference, too. I want to give a shout-out to Andy Reid for uh, recovering from his issue. He was uh, rushed to the hospital after the Chargers-Chiefs game on Sunday uh, with uh, dehydration and some other uh, issues. But he's healthy. He's good now in stable condition. So I think he was released from the hospital Monday morning. So shout out to him for getting better. Let's get into this week three uh, uh, headlines and results. So uh, <laughs> uh, if you watched the kickoff show on Sunday, um, prior to the game starting on uh, Sunday afternoon. I did some headlines for the games, and uh, I'm going to read you the headlines, 
and then I'm going to give you the results and how the headlines played or didn't play. So, so the headline for the Washington football team versus the Bills game was, is it a trap game? And 42 to 13, I guess not. <laughs> now, that's a job style I've been waiting to see. For fantasy and my own uh, personal preference. This Josh Allen is the Josh Allen I've been waiting for, and he lit up the Washington football team's defense. You know, and I, I just found it funny because this is like anarchy in, in Washington already. They call it Chase Young over 80, which is crazy to me. Um, but Allen threw four touchdowns. I think he ran another one in, and he lit up the fantasy board. So I think I got about 40-some-odd points from him this week. You know, so the Bills are finally starting to earn that preseason rating, I'm hoping, from here. Like, I hope they're, they're starting to they, – they got off the – Slow bus, you know, when it comes to production, you know, no, no shots at anybody, you know, about slow buses in real life. That's not what I'm driving at. I'm talking about just the slow moving bus that, that, that normally be moving fast when it comes to their offensive production. But um, so hopefully they can, they, they can, they can write the ship, but they beat up on the, uh, <laughs> beat up on the Washington football team. And was it 42 to 13? Or was it higher? I think they scored more than that, but I might've captured that score early, but it was bad. <laughs> let's just say it that way it was pretty bad it was pretty bad 43 to 21 i'm sorry 43 to 21 so yeah but um but yeah it was pretty bad so uh let's hope the bills can, can keep it going from here bears and the browns the headline was how good will justin be and the answer is not good and i hate to say i told you so but 26 to 6 the browns take this one at this rate, they should have started Nick Foles. Justin was horrible, and that horrific old line was even worse. They sacked this man nine times. He technically only had 68 yards passing for the game, which they, which is even to the point where he was like negative yards at one point because of the sack yards he took. Miles Garrett had four and a half sacks. Gary Young had like two and a half. It was rough. It was rough. Now, Honestly, truly, I still think Justin Fields is the answer here. I think he's he he needs he will be the best quarterback they've had in franchise history in my lifetime once he gets acclimated to the pro game. But right now, he needs to sit. He needs to sit and he needs to learn. And if you got to choose between Nick Foles and, and Andy Dalton, that's who you choose to. But say you save Justin from getting hurt because O-line is bad. You save him from getting hurt. You say you save him from you save his confidence and you let him sit and learn. And you just deal with what you have to deal with this year. And if it costs Matt Nagy the job, then it is what it is. But for the future of the organization, he needs to sit. So the Browns, you know, walk away with this one. Odell had a great game. You know, they ran all over them, 26-6. It wasn't, it was, it was pretty bad. Pretty bad. So the Ravens and the Lions, and boy, this, boy, this was a game. And the headline for this one was just what the doctor ordered, or is it? And it wasn't. Now, a lot of this, a lot of the closeness of this 19-17 victory by the Ravens was all was laid on the hands, literally, of the wide receivers for the Ravens. Hollywood Brown dropped, I want to say, like two or three touchdowns. Sammy Walker dropped a bunch of passes. It was bad. I mean, Lamar was delivering the ball in these guys' hands, like literally hitting him in the fingertips or hitting him in the hands itself, and they were dropping it and put it on the turf. This game should have been this close. You know, but and I, like I said, I give the Lions credit for being fighters. They they do fight, and they wouldn't. If you sleep, you can't get beat by this team if you don't put them away. But you know, despite all that, they were they were up by by one to say uh, one going into uh, the last uh, 
minute of the half, of the of the game, and uh, Lamar had one shot to drive the team down with no timeouts to get in range for a field goal. Now he drove them down, and they were in range for a sixty-six yard field goal, and he got them in range. Now they said it was questionable about whether or not he got the snap off before a delayed game in one particular play, which was, should have set them back five yards and put it at a seventy. One yard field goal versus a 66, but the refs didn't call it. They kicked a 66 yarder. Justin Tucker literally bounced the ball off the crossbar and in to win the game. <laughs> and I feel like the 66 yarder was like a record. I think Prater was the one that had a 65 yarder previously. So he kicked, he kicked a game winning field goal from a 66 yard. So he has to go down one of the cl- most clutch and and best kickers of all time. <laughs> he really does. He really does. I mean, he, he just don't miss. He just don't miss. And no matter what for distance, I mean, outside of Khalid 66 on in, he's good money. <laughs> so they escape. The Ravens escaped this game, but uh, it was nip and tuck, boy. And again, if the World Series could catch on Sunday, we wouldn't have to be talking about this. So uh, the Cardinals and the Jags faced off. And the headline for this one was, how much air will Kyler get? And early on, he didn't get a lot of air because uh, he even uh, at half, they were losing based upon a kick return. Now, we got a question, Clingsbury's decision making here. He was trying to line Prater up, who had a re- previous record of field goals for like a 68 yarder. And they lined Jamal Agnew up in the, in the end zone because they knew that the kick was most likely one going to make it. And they're going to try to, to try their hand at returning it. And Jamal Agnew took that ball 109 yards to the house and gave the Jags a lead at half. But it was short lived. <laughs> it was short lived. The Cards win this game 31 19. No, actually, the Jags made an engine in the first half. They hung around, but again, once Kyler got going in that, that, that offense, it, they owned him in the second half. That's it, they took the W and then they're, they're literally undefeated right now. The Cardinals are undefeated. Who who called that one? Who called that one in that division? Again, I said, I, I had them finishing above 500, but fourth, they're undefeated right now, along with the Rams. Picture that. Picture that. So, uh, Next game is the Chargers versus Chiefs. And the headline with this one was Holmes versus Herbert. Or Herbert versus Holmes, how you want to call it. Uh, and the Chargers get the victory here, 30 to 24. And we're calling Justin Herbert now. We're calling him Just Incredible. <laughs> That's his new name. I didn't give it to him. Somebody on Twitter did. I'm just regurgitating it on my podcast. Just Incredible. And Mike Will finally made it. Mike Williams has been the Chiefs killer. In the past three or four matchups that we that he's been healthy for and playing the Chiefs, they can't do nothing with him. Six five, big catch rate is leaping ability out the gym. He is a nightmare for a Chiefs corners, and he's been proving it time in and time out. And this was this one was no different. I feel like we're looking at a classic rivalry here, it really between two top two quarterbacks because Herbert outdueled Mahomes this this game. They, they had four turnovers, two interceptions by Mahomes. He was played. Uh, opportunistic. They didn't play shutdown, but they play opportunistic football. They limited Tyreek, you know, and they they bracketed Kelsey, and they got after Mahomes. And to me, I go back to my you know original uh, piece on the Chiefs. That seems like the recipe right now if you have the personnel to do it. So again, I think we're bro- it's brewing down to classic rivalry. So again, with Staley's defense and so in the in the quarterback that we have for the Chargers, it's going to really be a classic rivalry with them too uh, in the next few years for sure. So, um, again, like I said, I think they had, as long as the Chargers stay healthy, I think they got issues on their hands. I really do. They execute the proper game plan. Like I said, they forced four turnovers, you know, and despite some minor miscues in the red zone and, and illegal, another illegal shift um, in this game, 
the, the Chargers pull it off. And I really like Brandon Staley's decision making, putting the ball in Herbert hands to close the game out. And that was that was an awesome call. And going for touchdowns rather than field goals, especially with that crosswind and arrowhead with that particular game. We missed an extra point earlier in the day because of it. So he decided to put the game away and score touchdowns, which I've been saying that you have to do. But again, if you've been paying attention to my podcast, you know that the way to beat the Chiefs is you got to match them and you got to get touchdowns, not field goals. Because if you get field goals and they get touchdowns, you lose. Point blank, period. So that's what it boils down to. You got to get that done. If you don't get that done, you can't beat them. So the Chargers win this game 30 to 24. So we got the Saints and the Pats. And I just knew this was going to be the boring game of the week. And I had, I really had the 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 pass winning this game in Foxborough, but boy was I wrong. And uh this was this is the game. I think Zach Wilson has had his game already. Trevor Lawrence has had his game already. Justin Fields has. It was Mac Wilson's Mac Jones's turn. Mac Jones's turn to uh have his bad day at the office. <laughs> Cause uh boy, he came unraveled in this game. He had 51 attempts, but it was three interceptions in 051. Um, and I'm sure they didn't ever, ever want to ever have, ever have him throw the ball 51 times this stage of his career, but he did. And it turned out bad. That defense frustrated him all day. And although Jameis still was his normal, you know, Tampa Bay self, you know, they are two and one at this point. They beat the, the Patriots 28-13. Edge crashing two and one, but they still two one, none the least. So, Saints win this one, and the Pats go into uh, Foxborough next week to face Tom Brady, and they're coming off a loss as well. We'll get into that in a minute. So two teams coming off a loss, and Tom Brady and Gronk go back to Foxborough for next week's game. Going to be a good one. So we got the Falcons and the Giants, and the headline for this one was, as I'm shaking my head, who will be the first to trip on the dance floor? And it ended up being the Giants. <sighs> Sloppy, ugly, clunky game, man. It was just bad. 17 to 14, the Falcons really don't know. I don't really know what to make of the Falcons. I really don't. Or the Giants, for that matter. I really don't know what to make of either one. Now, the Giants had the unfortunate issue of, of losing Sterling Shepard and Darius Slayton mid-game, the hamstring injuries. So they lost two of their receivers. You know, but this game wasn't selling no season tickets, I'll tell you that much. It was really a snooze fest. But somehow or another, the Falcons avoided 0-3 and, and, and won the game on the last second field goal. And... I heard rumors that the owner uh, for the Giants was kicking cat trash cans and, and all kind of stuff in the, in the a press box after the game because he knew he shouldn't have lost that game. Again, more self-infliction by the Giants and losing, cost themselves games, and we just don't know what to make of them. I really don't. I, I can't call the Giants or the Falcons and where they're going from here at all. I just can't do it. I don't know. I just don't know. So the Bengals versus Steelers, and I, again, I alluded to this earlier about the Steelers' problems, and – the, the headline with this one was Big Ben, where's your walker? And boy, was I right. <laughs> when I tell you, I, I, I alluded to this earlier. When I tell you it was such a mistake for Ben to return to the team for another year, no running game, Ben will look more and more like his age. And where in, who came up with the idea that Najee Harris was going to be your leading receiver in this particular uh, offense? That's just ice skating uphill to me. It really is. But again, the Bengals didn't bat an eye. They didn't, because Burrow and Chase Young hooked up again with two touchdowns this this this, this game. Mixed it with solid, almost 100 yards rushing, and they took the W. They took the W. And like I said before, they're, they're staring at fourth in the division early, and I don't think it's going to change. We've read off their schedule, what is coming up now, soon, and it's not looking good. The Steelers are in big trouble. So now we got the Colts versus the Titans. Now, the headline with this one, will Carson play, and will it matter? Now, he did play. And it didn't matter. <laughs> it really didn't. 
I talked about this earlier and how much trouble they're in. But again, the Titans didn't care. 25 to 16, Titans win. Carson played, but again, it really it really didn't matter. You know, it's it's really like having a V8 engine and you can't get out of neutral. All the weapons and personnel in the world and you sit at 0-3. It's quite shameful. It really is. And and where do you place the blame? I mean, is is it is it Carson? I really think it is. But is it him or what is it? I don't you haven't figured each other out yet. You know, it's a new system for Carson. Well, not really, because he coming from where they ran when he was the Eagles with Wright uh, a few years ago. So it's not that. But I don't know. You know, we've got time to dissect why they have issues and will they continue. But I, I think they do. Because I think they got real big issues. And Quinn Nelson going down with injury is going to be an even bigger problem. But again, the Titans, Titans were true to the identity. They ran the ball, power running game. Derrick Henry had another awesome day on the ground. And Tommy passing and, you know, drove the ball down the field and got a nice divisional win. So they're divisional leaders at, at, at this particular mark. So, and I think it's not going to change. Definitely the Texans and the, and the Jags not doing anybody any favors. So I think the Titans is their division to lose if you had to pick it right now. But now we had the Jets and the Broncos. Now, the headline for this one was, who are we kidding here? And boy, it was all right. 26 to nothing, Broncos win. And when we really worried, the Broncos control the game from start to finish. The Jets, I mean, the Jets really need to call the NFL for help at this point. It's, it's bad. It's bad. But the Broncos look like they're built with the right stuff. I do I do like, although it's a divisional rival, I do like the fact that they're built with the right stuff. And I think they will sustain their success. So now we got the Miami Dolphins versus the Raiders. And there was uh, no two in this game. And that's a big problem. So I thought. This was the shocking game of the week. The Raiders win this game in OT 31-28, and I did not have that happening with Jacoby Brissett at the helm. Especially how good the Raiders have been playing. Now, what's wild about this particular situation is the Dolphins jumped out to a 14-point lead. It was 14-0 before the Raiders got out the gate for real. But, you know, they in true Raiders fashion, they circle the wagons, most like the Bills did in the, in the 90s. You know, they come in the second quarter, they started taking control, and they lit, literally led all the way into the fourth quarter. But they gave up 11 points in the fourth quarter, which allowed them to tie it on a Jacoby Brissett run into the end zone as the fourth quarter ended. So they go to OT and on a complete and utter dime of a pass that, that Derek Carr delivers to Brian Edwards, um, set them up at field goal range and allowed them to secure the victory. Because I think they kicked, both kicked field goals and it was sudden death after that. And they kicked another field goal to end up winning the game. So you got another Raiders team uh, in the AFC uh, along with the Broncos. They're literally 3-0. and Who, who would have thought? Who would have thought? Now, what's going to happen with the Dolphins in this backup situation? Because Tua is going to IR right now, so he's going to list this three games, if not more, with these broken ribs. So we'll see what happens. But again, we as we see, the Dolphins are going to fight. Flores, Brian Flores' led team is going to fight. So we'll see how it shakes out and can they make any headway with Jacoby Brissett as their quarterback. So in uh, one of the games of the week, the Bucks versus the Rams. The headline with this one was, can the GOAT defeat the Beast? And the answer is no. <laughs> when I tell you Aaron Donald and Leonard Floyd wreak havoc on Tom Brady all game. And I, I tell you this. The Rams missing piece really might have been the quarterback. Because Stafford outdoed Brady in this one. And and if, if, if is there one thing that rattles Tom Brady? Not much does. But if you rattle Tom Brady enough, is constant pressure in his face and around his edges. And with decent coverage in the, on the back end, make him move off his spots and have to shuffle his feet and move around, which he doesn't like to do. You want to stand in the pocket, stand tall, and deliver the ball. 
And with Aaron Donald pushing the pocket and Leonard Floyd coming around the edge, it made it problematic for him all day. Made it problematic for all day. And again, to me, this game was never in doubt for the Rams. They, they literally, outside of a slow first quarter, they literally dominated this game. And dare I say, with Stafford at the helm of this uh, McVay offense, dare I say, are the Rams the best NFC team right now? I don't know. I don't know. But they definitely, that's a statement win for them. It really is. It really is a statement win. So now we got Seattle versus the Vikings. Now, the headline with this one was, it's all on Dalvin. And Dalvin didn't play. So I'm like, okay. I even tweeted this. I said, okay, this is Seahawks game to lose. If no Dalvin Cook, which I'm pissed about because he was on my fantasy team. Thank God for Peyton Barber, and I picked him up. He did well for me. But regardless of that, you know, <laughs> a Dalvin-less Vikings team going up against a Pete Carroll coach team, you know, if you, if you had a Dalvin-less Vikings team going putting the boots to a Pete Carroll coach team on your bingo card this, this week, congratulations. Because I sure didn't have that happening once Dalvin was ruled out. I knew the Vikings were in trouble. I really did. <laughs> but, but what I didn't bank on is the Seahawks laying an egg. Yeah, uh, you know the Seahawks are like that 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 inconsistent friend, you know that lets you down in the most the, the time you would least expect it. Like you just tell them, you know, I need you to make a simple store run. Go give us some milk. I give you the money. Go get some milk. And not only do they get lost in going to get the milk, they lose the money that you gave them in the process. That's what the Seahawks feel like for me right now. I just can't trust them for doing the most basic things like winning games that you're supposed to win. Can't trust them. But however, the Vikings seize the moment. Kirk Cousins look amazing, which I highly doubted and have been doubting for quite some time. So I really am shaking my head at Seattle. But again, the Vikings tore it up. 30 to 17, Vikings win. And they they're in a much needed win for them because they were teetering on, you know, being the bottom of the of the division. And it wasn't going to get any easier schedule wise going forward. So they needed that win. But Seattle, they showed, they did as well. And I just can't I just can't believe they blew that game. But I'll tell you. So in the Sunday night game, it was the Packers versus 49ers. And the headliner for this one was, sorry, Aaron, it's not going to end well. <laughs> and boy, did Aaron Rodgers make me a liar. <laughs> made me a big old liar. It was a, game, it was a great game. That was a hell of a way to finish the, sun, the, the, the Sunday festivities of football. So Rodgers and the Packers came out fine early. I mean, they took a two-possession lead on the Niners quick. And I'm like, what got into him? And, and the Lions looked stuck in the, in the park at the start of the game. They really did. I wasn't sure what was happening with Jimmy Gene's offense. You know, they were looking real suspect uh, on from the running and the pass. But they did get a tight a, a touchdown at the end of the half, and they came out and started the second half, got another touchdown, made it close. It was like a three-point lead at that point. Um, and, it, and it went back and forth down to the wire up until the last drive the Niners had in the fourth quarter. Now, Jimmy had a masterful second half and, and drove them down the field and scored a touchdown with 34 seconds left. They're like, okay. The Packers got 34 seconds, no timeouts. Eh, it's not looking good because they had to burn timeouts earlier on in the game. So it was like, okay, it's looking not looking good. It's, I mean, all they got to do is play some symbols of coverage and they're going to win this game. And I predicted that the, the, the Packers would lose. I really did because before the Niners, they've been owning them when they've been relatively healthy. But somehow or another, you know, Aaron pulled a rabbit out of his, you know, rear end. I'm going to say it that way. And he completed two ridiculous passes to Devontae Adams and got them in field goal range, popped the ball, and gave uh, uh, Mason Crosby like a 54-yard field goal to win the game. And guess what? He hit it. 
Wow. I was my jaw was open. I mean, literally was uh, my jaw was open. No time left. He kicked that ball and and went up to the uprights with no time left. I mean, it just shocked the whole entire industry. We just knew they were going to go down in flames, and we felt like because it was such a noisy offseason for them that they were going to flame out. But they're two and one. They're two and one. Who who would have thought? Who would have thought? So the Packers still won. Way to go, Aaron. So in the Monday night game. Ugh, the headline for this one was Jalen hurt him, and he did not. <laughs> he did not at all. Oh, and I have to say, the Eagles are are not who we thought they were. <laughs> As a player worries for the for that famous Denny Green interview, they they are not who I thought they were. And maybe I was a little bit over overly optimistic, and I want to see competition in, in the NFC least. But at this point, it only looks like there's one team, barring injury, that will rise from the ashes that is the trash heap of the NFC least, and that's the Cowboys. The Cowboys dominated this game and left no doubt about who's the best team in the in the division. And the Eagles had a little answer. And I, and, I, and I will say is a bit of a caveat. The Eagles had a lot of injuries. The whole left side of O-line was out. I mean, they, well, two people were out at the start of the game, and the third got hurt in the game. So they were struggling on the O-line. The only person they had healthy that was worth no worthy was Lane Johnson. Um... So they were struggling there, and um, you know they just their defense had injuries on it as well. Uh, the safety was out. A few other people. Um, they lost. Uh, I want to say they lost. Uh, now Fletcher Cox played one of the other D tackle. They lost for a season um, in the past uh, past game. So they were out with they were without, without him. Um, so there's some injuries on the defensive side as well. So it was just it was just uphill battle. It really was. I mean. And I gotta give Dallas credit for not playing down. They 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 let it up offensively. Put up forty one points, you know, to, to the Eagles twenty one. It was a walk off, you know. So I say it's really Dallas's division to lose at this point. You know, they just did what they want to do. They ran, they passed, you name it, they did it. So um, I think the Eagles at this point, man, because they're to me they're rebuilding. I think they really should focus on their health, getting it healthy, and see what they had when Jalen and these receivers um did as the bright spots of their team, but. Like I said, it's the it's the it's the, it's the uh, Cowboys division to lose, and the rest of teams are playing for draft lottery position at this point. The Giants look bad, so the Washington Football Team and Eagles they're rebuilding. So that's my takes on it. So yeah, that's your wrap up for uh, week three. So uh, as we wrap up this section of the podcast, is before we get into our four quarter closeout, I want to talk about real quick about the teams that are looking up at their division mates. And I really didn't see this being this bad this early. And this section is called panic button. So the question is teams that are winless or one win, um, what, you know, and they had quote unquote had contender aspirations in certain regards, how, you know, are they, should they push the panic button right now? And uh, we'll start with Steelers. And of course they should push the panic button because they're not looking good and they're going to, get worse as I alluded to earlier. And uh now the Colts being over, <laughs> they should push the panic button as well because they look great on paper and they're not living up to any of that potential at all. They need to push the panic button. Um the Chiefs, I don't think they should push the panic button just yet. I think they're too dynamic on offense and their defense really is uh leaves much to be desired, but they remind me of the Colts team back in the day where their defense was terrible but their offense was so good that you just literally live with the fact that your defense wasn't that great. And they just put up points and they, and they got to the playoffs every year. Seahawks. <laughs> I think they should push the panic button because I'm not sure what's happening there. 
and you can't lose pace in that division. That division is way too tough. And uh, I, I must, and I like the Chiefs. I don't think you have that the firepower to, to pull yourself up um, when you have people that are literally playing well in your division. Every team in your division is playing well, and so I don't think you have the ability to to pull yourselves up like the Chiefs can. So I will put the penalty button on in Seattle and the Giants. I just don't know what to make of them, uh, and I will push the penalty button because they could literally be uh, in the lottery at the rate they're going. They just they have too many seven fifty wounds. And we just don't know what to make of them week to week. And I just, I'm just sick of it at this point. I really had high expectations for them. And I am and I really wanted to play them to, at the feet of Daniel Jones, but it's not even him. It's the team as a whole. Just bad penalties, self-inflicted wounds. It's just ugly. And I'll push the panic button if I was him too. So the Steelers, the Colts, the Seahawks, the Energize all should push the panic button, and the Chiefs should be all fine. So that's going to wrap up who's in the news for episode 57. Stay tuned for the fourth quarter closeout. That's Lockdown Davis Podcast. Back with a fourth quarter closeout. That's the Lockdown Defense Podcast. I'm your host, Coach Defense. Oh man, episode fifty-seven has been a good one, man. It's been a, it's been a really good content week. It's been a really good topic week. We give some definitely some heavy hitting content and give you that news and views that you can use for the Lockdown Davis Podcast, man. Appreciate everybody supporting viewership. If you haven't done so already on the YouTube channel, especially like, comment, and subscribe. Let me know what your feelings on are on the podcast. Give me your comments and your concerns about. The topics that we got going on here, give me your point of views and your uh in your uh segments that you want to express as far as how you uh, how we're delivering this content to you. So as always, man, give me your feedback and I appreciate everybody's viewership. Real quick, man, real quick, let's get into let's get into our advertisements for the week. Uh the weekly pick'em league is still open. We have seven spots left. We're doing a maximum of 20 people. Uh we crowned another winner this particular week, and it was boy, it was tight. Uh, we literally had a tiebreaker situation in this week. Uh, they came down to a tiebreaker of scores to crown a winner this week. So uh, if you want to get into weekly pick'em league, as you can see the details are on the screen, the Yahoo pick'em league, we pick each and every game throughout the week and uh, we pick winners and whoever picks the most amount of right winners wins the week and you get a cash prize. $10 to get in, opt out at any time, winner take all. Hit me up on Twitter, Instagram via DM. Or you can email me at LockdownDevenSports at gmail.com to get in. So if you want to get in and get a, lock up one of those last spots because the people that are in don't seem like they're leaving. They, they're enjoying it. So get in before the spots get filled up. Also, our weekly schedule uh, for, uh, for the foreseeable future as we got a lot of content bringing it to you um, for the next uh, few weeks. While we got NFL and NBA is going to be coming back soon, so we have a lot of content to come to you. So Mondays, as always, is a replay of Sports Talk with Coach and Curry. That goes live on YouTube and all other platforms at 11 a.m. Tuesday, as you're listening to this podcast, is 10 a.m. each and every Tuesday. That goes live on all platforms. Thursdays, we do our preview, a premiere of weekly picks. I'll give all my pick'em league picks for the week in my video on Thursday, uh, 8 o'clock. That goes live at 8 o'clock on Thursday, right before the Thursday night games kick off. <clears throat> so Fridays, we got Charter's Corner at 11 a.m. on YouTube. 
So check that out. We give our breakdown of the charges uh, week in review. Uh, we give our recap of the games that just played, and we'll give our previews for the game coming up. So check that out, especially if you're a Chargers fan. Let me know how you feel about that uh, segment in the comments. And as always, Saturday, Sports Talk with Coach and Kurt, 9 o'clock Eastern Standard Time uh, on Twitch.tv forward slash Lockdown Davis Sports. We go live on Twitch each and every Saturday at 9 o'clock. And like I said, the replay for that goes live on Monday. And if you haven't uh, visited YouTube yet, you search Lockdown Davis Podcast. It'll bring it up for you on YouTube. So check that out as well. So let's get into our awards for Breakout Player of the Week, Lockdown Defender of the Week, and Big Dummy of the Weeks, man. So let's check it out. So uh, I had a problem here. I, I really, I really didn't want to give any other uh, person. I don't want to. I don't want to. I don't want to discredit uh, one person's performance or the other. I had to, so I had to give an extra award this week. That's really what I'm driving at. Because if you can see it on the screen, Breakout Player of the Week, I have two quarterbacks, a running back, and a wide receiver. I had to do it. I just, I had to do it. I really did. Uh, Matt Stafford and Josh Allen lit it up from a quarterback perspective. I mean, both had four touchdowns. They, but one had uh, Matt Stafford had 134 quarterback rating, and Josh Allen had 129. <laughs> Josh Allen was 32 of 43 for 358. Matt Stafford was 27 of 38 and 343. They both won. So, got to give them credit for that. That was definitely a great win for them. So, so Matt Stafford and Josh Allen got to get them awards for that. So Peyton Barber lit it up for the Raiders, 23 carries for 111 yards and a touchdown. So in Devontae Adams, 12 receptions, 132 yards and a touchdown for the Packers and a win. So got to give him credit as well. So so Josh Allen, Matt Stafford get flowers. So does Peyton Barber and Devontae Adams for being offensive breakout players of the week. So lockdown of the finals of the week, this is real easy too. Miles Garrett. <laughs> Miles Garrett has seven tackles, six solos, four and a half sacks. That's not a typo. And I did say that Miles Garrett was my pick for defensive player of the year, and he's off to a roaring start. He had four and a half sacks in one game. He had four tackles for loss and six, count them, six quarterback hits. So, yeah. So, yeah, got to give gotta give my boy Miles credit in that regard for putting it down. And, you know, unless it changes, he just put up steady production at this point, he's going to win it in my opinion. So, got to give him credit for that as well. And my last but not least, Brian Murphy Jr., uh, four tackles, three solos, two pass deflections, and get this, not one, but two picks, and one was a pick six. So you got to give Brian Murphy credit for getting, for for balling out in the secondary in his game with the Cardinals this week, too. So we got Josh Allen, Matt Stafford, Peyton Barber, Devontae Adams, Miles Garrett, and uh, Brian Murphy Jr. as breakout players of the week and lockdown defender of the week. Give it up for him. Now they're on the big dummy of the week. And we got two this week. <laughs> uh, one you should know because I got on him earlier on in the podcast about his uh, takes on Kevin Love. But Jerry Colangelo for uh, completely and utterly uh, discrediting and damaging, potentially trying to damage Kevin Love's career and his criticism of him and his undue criticism of him in his interview about his uh, trials for USA Basketball. Completely foul, completely, utterly unwarranted, not necessary. You didn't have to do it, and you were just trying to cover yourself, and you tried to throw Kevin Love under the bus in that regard. Um, so we got to give Jerry Colangelo his award for being stupid and being a big dummy. So we're going to give one award to Jerry Colangelo. The other award goes to Lyle Collins. <laughs> Lyle Collins, if you haven't been paying attention, is a tackle for the Cowboys. Lyle Collins was suspended. Uh, a couple of weeks ago for uh, 
a substance abuse violation. Now, it was undisclosed at the time because of the back and forth about why he was suspended. But he was suspended, I want to say, four games. Four or five games. Five games. So he appealed his case to the NFLPA, right? The NFLPA had reasoned with the league and got his suspension brought down to two games. Now, keep all that in mind when I tell you exactly what happened. So, because they went back and forth and said, well, he missed some tests, but, you know, they don't think he's dirty. So they're going to defend him and say that, you know, give him two games instead of five. Let's reduce the sentence. He missed tests. He'll test and we'll be fine. This dude missed more tests. And then when he got to the point where he was getting ready to be tested, guess what he did? He tried to bribe. He tried to bribe the tester for whatever reason. And that came out. Like you not only because you could have been playing this week coming. If you had two games, you could have been playing right now. You could have been eligible to play right now and just took you two games and dealt with it. Team was fine. Went one-on-one in that stint. You'd have been cool. And you could be back on the field, no harm, no foul. But he doubled down on it, the fact that he missed more tests. And on top of that, when he finally got got pinned down to take a test, he tried to bribe the tester because apparently he must have been dirty. That's what my takeaway from it. You must have been dirty because, and you kept being dirty, and you try to cover it up by bribing the, the tester and not thinking he wouldn't tell. Come on, bro. Like, seriously? You got to bribe the tester. I mean, how, how, how ridiculous can we be? So you missed tests. You didn't take the, the plea deal. And you got caught, you got busted for trying to bribe the guy. So you're lucky if you don't get more games for trying to bribe him. But you're stuck with that four to five game suspension and you need to sit down and think about yourself for a minute. So the Jerry Colangelo and Lyle Collins, you get the Big Dummy of the Week Award. You Big Dummy. So that's a wrap up the podcast this week, man. I appreciate everybody's support and the love and admiration and the likes and comments that they've been giving us. I always follow, follow us on all our social medias uh, for keeping us updated on what's going on with the Lockdown Podcast movement. So uh, in the meantime, in between time, I'm your man, Coach Defense. Step up and lock it down.